and this is Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture. I'm your host, Amy Brown, and joining me in the studio again today is guest commentator Valentine King, cultural maven, independent thinker, longtime activist, and former host of Ism Prism here on WERU. We're going to be talking about some of the latest controversies surrounding the two presumptive major party presidential candidates and playing some clips from the Trump rally in Bangor last week and then opening the phone lines. Welcome back, Val. Thank you, Amy. So let's start with the announcement yesterday about the conclusion of the FBI's investigation into Hillary Clinton's use of private servers for her email. Depending on which media you follow, the spin on this story is completely different. So in case listeners didn't hear it firsthand, this is a clip from the FBI's press conference yesterday. After giving some background and summarizing the process they used, and you can read all of this uh, on their website, FBI.gov, the FBI director then talked about what they found. We joined the press conference there. Now let me tell you what we found. Although we did not find clear evidence that Secretary Clinton or her colleagues intended to violate laws governing the handling of classified information, there is evidence that they were extremely careless in their handling of very sensitive, highly classified information. For example, Seven email chains concern matters that were classified at the top secret special access program at the time they were sent and received. Those chains involve Secretary Clinton both sending emails about those matters and receiving emails about those same matters. There is evidence to support a conclusion that any reasonable person in Secretary Clinton's position or in the position of those with whom she was corresponding about those matters should have known that an unclassified system was no place for that conversation. In addition to this highly sensitive information, we also found information that was properly classified as secret by the U.S. intelligence community at the time it was discussed on email. That is excluding any later up-classified emails. None of these emails should have been on any kind of unclassified system. But their presence is especially concerning because all of these emails were housed on unclassified personal servers, not even supported by full-time security staff, like those found at agencies and departments of the United States government, or even with a commercial email service like Gmail. I think it's also important to say something about the marking of classified information. Only a very small number of the emails here containing classified information bore markings that indicated the presence of classified information. But even if information is not marked classified in an email, participants who know or should know that the subject matter is classified are still obligated to protect it. And while not the focus of our investigation, we also developed evidence that the security culture of the State Department in general and with respect to the use of unclassified systems in particular, was generally lacking in the kind of care for classified information that's found elsewhere in the U.S. government. With respect to potential computer intrusion by hostile actors, we did not find direct evidence that Secretary Clinton's personal email domain in its various configurations since 2009 was hacked successfully. But given the nature of the system and of the actors potentially involved, we assess we would be unlikely to see such direct evidence. We do assess that hostile actors gained access to the private commercial email accounts of people with whom Secretary Clinton was in regular contact from her personal account. We also assess 
that Secretary Clinton's use of a personal email domain was both known by a large number of people and readily apparent. She also used her personal email extensively while outside the United States, including sending and receiving work-related emails in the territory of sophisticated adversaries. Given that combination of factors, we assess it is possible that hostile actors gained access to Secretary Clinton's personal email account. So that's what we found. Finally, with respect to our recommendation to the Department of Justice, in our system, the prosecutors make the decisions about whether charges are appropriate based on evidence that the FBI helps collect. Although we don't normally make public our recommendations to the prosecutors, we frequently make recommendations and engage in productive conversations with prosecutors about what resolution may be appropriate given the evidence. In this case, given the importance of the matter, I think unusual transparency is in order. Although there is evidence of potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information, our judgment is that no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. Prosecutors necessarily weigh a number of factors before deciding whether to bring charges. There are obvious considerations like the strength of the evidence, especially regarding intent. Responsible decisions also consider the context of a person's actions and how similar situations have been handled in the past. In looking back at our investigations into the mishandling or removal of classified information, we cannot find a case that would support bringing criminal charges on these facts. All the cases prosecuted involved some combination of clearly intentional and willful mishandling of classified information or vast quantities of information exposed in such a way as to support an inference of intentional misconduct or indications of disloyalty to the United States or efforts to obstruct justice. We do not see those things here. To be clear, this is not to suggest that in similar circumstances, a person who engaged in this activity would face no consequences. To the contrary, those individuals are often subject to security or administrative sanctions, but that's not what we're deciding now. As a result, although the Department of Justice makes final decisions on matters like this, we are expressing to justice our view that no charges are appropriate in this case. I know there will be intense public debate in the wake of this recommendation, as there was throughout the investigation. What I can assure the American people is that this investigation was done honestly, competently, and independently. No outside influence of any kind was brought to bear. I know there were many opinions expressed by people who are not part of the investigation, including people in government, but none of that mattered to us. Opinions are irrelevant. And they were all uninformed by insight into our investigation because we did our investigation the right way. Only facts matter. And the FBI found them here in an entirely apolitical and professional way. I couldn't be prouder to be part of this organization. Thank you very much. That was the FBI director yesterday at a press conference announcing, of course, the results of their findings. Uh, their investigation into Hillary Clinton's use of private servers for her email. Uh, you're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. Val King is my guest today. Last time you were here, Val, I know we discussed uh, the fact that the, Hillary Clinton's not the only person who has done this. Right. Um, but given what they found and the severity of what they were saying, although they did follow it up by saying they wouldn't recommend prosecution, although he did note that 
oftentimes people who had done something on this level would face security or administrative sanctions. I, what do you think? Is this a, a, a witch hunt, as some people say, against Hillary Clinton? Is it uh, a, an indication of her level of judgment that it's not great or both, neither? What do you think? I think it's a combination both. Um, I think it's a witch hunt because it's always a witch hunt for Clinton, so for Hillary. And um, But um, I think she goofed up. or what, I don't want to say goofed. I think it's more severe than that. But uh, That's a good word for radio. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm not sure how um, adept the administration have been with the, keeping up with the technology. I don't think anyone took them aside. And I'm including, when I say in, when I say them, I'm talking about Colin Powell, who had a private server. Thing, yep. I'm talking about sitting them down and really um, letting them know what the purpose of or what the possibilities could happen. Um, like we mentioned before, or last time I was here, I mentioned that um, there was no investigation of Vice President Cheney when he had a, a, a shredder the size of a truck pull up to the to the side of his house and have um, stuff shredded. Also, I'm um, going back to memory that uh, oh, what's his name? I cannot think of his name, but he was he was called Bush's brain. Uh, Rumsfeld? Not Rumsfeld. He was Bush's... Um, well, anyway, so Bush and... I, which Cheney? I not Cheney, Bush's Cheney assistant. Rumsfeld. okay. Carl Rove. Oh, Rove, Bush okay. and Carl Rove also shredded, I heard, shredded 22 million emails. So, you know I mean? so the point is that this but there kind was of no thing investigation. Happen, there's no investigation. There's no... Uproar and stuff like that. So I don't know, but I do think um, so our administrators saying- do not understand or didn't understand technology as it kept advancing. It kept advancing. Yeah. So you're saying that uh, even if there's wrongdoing, that it's that the um, attention being paid to it is disproportionate. It's disproportionate. Clinton. Right. It's disproportionate, and the thing that. But- would you agree that everybody should be this should be taken seriously if if anybody's doing it though? Yes, I think I think this should be the clarion call for everybody to like okay, this is what it what it is. I don't know if they need to have someone come in and sit down with all the heads of departments and say this is this is the protocol for what we're going to do as a government. This is how emails are done. I don't know how that's. I can't done. imagine they don't have something like. That. I mean, you would think we that assume there's going to be some kind of we, IT department within right, the state assumed. department, but yeah. <laughs> but um, who knows? I don't know. Well, moving on, we've got several things to cover today. That's just one, and we'll open the phone lines a little bit later and let listeners weigh in on that. But we also uh, want to uh, talk about the um, Star of David controversy, and then we have some, as I said, some clips from the Trump rally in Bangor last week. Um, Trump 
tweeted a photo of Hillary Clinton, um, I think it was Saturday, with a, a superimposed over a background of cash, and then there, I think they're $100 bills, and then there was a six-pointed star with the words in it, most corrupt candidate ever. The star looks like a Star of David, and it raised concerns that it's an anti-Semitic message. Um, the Trump Twitter account took it down uh, and then replaced it later with a uh, same graphic but with a circle instead of the six-pointed star. Although you still could see the points <clears throat> around, the, around circle. Some of the circle. Somebody wasn't great at Photoshop. Uh, the image had previously been posted on a white supremacist uh, page several days earlier. When questioned, Trump accused the media of being dishonest and claimed that the star was a sheriff's badge and that the image was retweeted from another anti-Clinton Twitter account, which was that account was known for also posting racist memes. The Twitter campaign social media director who... Uh, has a whose wife's family is Jewish denied that it was meant to be anti-Semitic, but Jonathan Greenblatt, the chairman of the Anti-Defamation League, said that quote the imagery is a classic trope of Jews and money, implying that she's raising Jewish money or something along those lines. I get tweeted pictures like this all the time from anti-Semites and racists and white supremacists. Does this look familiar to me? Absolutely. End quote. It's not the first time Donald Trump's campaign has retweeted posts from anti uh, from anti-Semitic and white supremacist Twitter accounts, including back in January when they retweeted a pro-Hitler account with the handle "White Genocide." So, how many times can they do that and have it still be an innocent mistake and the media's fault? Uh, is the six-pointed star? I mean, if it was a, an isolated event, would you have seen that as being a clearly uh, racist thing or a coded message to people? Or it was coded because yeah. what the context of people do stuff, and there's always this um, implication like, oh, I didn't realize this or I'm surprised. But when you see a six-sided star, I saw the star. You think of infers the star of David. Um, his son-in-law is Jewish, and um, which I think he finds himself married to his daughter. His daughter, I think, converted to Judaism. And the son-in-law has defended Trump, saying that he's not anti-Semitic. And um, also, I could probably defend Trump. This is going to sound strange, and say he's not anti-Semitic and not anti-racist, but he knows what Trump what tropes in American culture gets him ahead. The reason why I'm saying that, I have memory of Trump hanging out with rappers. One of Trump's early friends in the 80s was um, P. Diddy, Puffy. He used to go to those parties. That was so, back when he was friends with the Clintons. He, right. So Trump, so it doesn't matter whether he is or whether he isn't. It's what he's doing. Mm. And he's sending out... Um, whistles are communicating to the public at large. So a Star of David definitely indicates something. And if, people has a history of, of that being negative or, um, you know, stereotypes against Jewish people using that as, you know. And for people who don't know how Twitter works, you have to be following somebody to see their Twitter posts. It's, you know, not a lot of People necessarily are on Twitter all day long, like, mm -hmm. you know, celebrities are or whatever. But and that's not something that you would right. just accidentally see. Either somebody retweeted it and kind of put his name on it. But right. basically, they uh, he cuts and pastes these things. He doesn't just hit the retweet button. So he, there's some he or whoever's managing his account mm -hmm. account is 
taking a few moments to look at what they're retweeting. They see the name white genocide on something before they retweet it. They or, or they're just ignoring that. Uh, so it's not an accident. Right. No, it was, it was it was a conscious decision made. So it was a conscious decision made. And now what he, I don't think he thought he was going to get that much of a negative feedback. And even within his um I'm under the impression that Jewish people in his son's in-law's employment have even called the son-in-law yes. out on it. Yeah. So yeah. people are really upset and said he knew exactly what he was doing or his campaign or his organization knew what they were doing when they used that imagery. Yeah, letters have been made public from some of his son, son-in-law's uh, employees. All right, so we have a few more clips to get to before we open the phone lines. Um, this goes to the Trump rally in Bangor last week, and uh, it started with um, Howie Carr, which we're not going to air. He gets enough airtime, and we don't have enough show. Um, it's, uh, it's track two. Um, uh, let's see. They have here. Uh, yes, this is LePage on Jobs. Uh, it was the first thing that he starts talking about. So it starts with the, um, sorry, we're messaging back and forth with the engineer here, but uh, we've got a little bit of a complicated show here with a lot of moving parts. But this is just a really brief clip, starting with, uh, as I said, Howie Carr introduced LePage. LePage then introduced Trump. And uh, I just wanted to um, play a few clips from these, and we're talking about scandals and fact-checking. And this starts with uh, LePage speaking about jobs in his introduction to Donald Trump last week in Bangor. We need someone that can go back overseas and bring back all the jobs that have left us because we didn't appreciate business people and companies working and providing jobs in this country. We have to bring them back home. Okay, so I, you could... Weigh in later on whether you think that's factual, that the jobs have left the state because we don't appreciate business people and companies. Uh, the next statement that he made was regarding immigrants, and this one prompted at least a few comments on the Facebook page as we were, this is from a live Facebook video that I posted during the event. Um, there were people who reacted to this comment. You know, I want to say this. Each and every one of us who's an American citizen, was one time an immigrant. We came here and we did what we had to do to get our citizenship. We followed the laws. We work hard. And we made this nation great. All right. I have one more brief uh, LePage clip, but I want to pause here for your reaction, Val, because you're shaking your head. (laughs) Well, the hypocrisy. First of all, that term, we make the nation great or we want to make America great, again, that's loaded and coded to me. For me, as a person of color, that says, oh, well, people of color, and when I say people of color, I mean all people of color, somehow do not help make the the nation great. Black people, Asian people, Latino people, somehow— you're in the way. Native American people who are already here, somehow you, you don't, the nation only can be great. That's what I hear when I say. So I think that's a coded way of talking. And talking about following the law, 
a lot of people did not follow the law. You know, we have history of bootleggers and carpetbaggers and stuff like that. Americans as a group, as a people, as a collective, really need to start um, studying American history because a lot of laws were broken and skated around. Our laws had to be made because people were doing um, acts which may have been considered criminal, but there was no law against it at the time. All right. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. You, you said, all right. I want to go to this next brief clip from LePage before we start in the, to the uh, Trump clips. And I played this just because it's a juxtaposition of a really strong reaction. And see if you can understand what exactly it is that LePage is saying here, because the crowd goes wild, and I really couldn't understand what the point was of this quote. There is no reason why anyone should be elected president and stay and tell the people to stay home, just vote for me. That's not the way America works. America is great because we all work together to make ourselves great. It's of the people, by the people, for the people, and that's what Donald Trump's going to do in Washington. So what is Donald Trump going to do in Washington? Did you do you understand that? No. OK, I'm just I'm putting that out there rhetorically and, and also to our listeners as well, not to put you on the spot. Not that you're like the uh, interpreter of LePage here, but just thought maybe I was missing something. And again, listeners, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Main Currents on WERU. I'm Amy Brown. My guest today is Valentine King. He's a cultural maven, independent thinker, a longtime activist, and the former host of Ism Prism here on WERU. And uh, we're talking about some of the controversies, some of the statements the major uh, political campaigns are making, and uh, going to get your reactions as well here in just a few moments. We're going to play this first Trump clip, and then I'll open the phone lines, and I have another Trump clip that we'll uh, play if we have time as well. Uh, This is from the rally last week in Bangor. His speech is interrupted several times, not by uh, so-called protesters. It's not really clear anybody was actually protesting because there was no disruption in the uh, auditorium at all until the Trump supporters started going crazy anytime somebody was walked out. And three or four times people were walked out. Uh, Once I think it was two people. The rest of the time was just one individual. Each time they were walking calmly with the police beside them. Nobody was being arrested. Unclear what, if anything, the people had done except that one person was wearing a pro-Clinton t-shirt. So uh, you'll hear... Uh, Trump trying to make a speech. His supporters start getting really loud, and that's when they see somebody being walked out of the building, so they're interrupting his speech, and then the whole thing ends up getting blamed on the media. And don't forget, you know, they say, oh, can we trust Donald with a button? Well, I'm the one that didn't want to go into Iraq, just so we understand. I would be the slowest with the button. But I would be the one that doesn't have to use it because they're going to respect us again. Nobody respects us. Nobody respects us. You look at China. So we have a trade deficit with China of $505 billion a year. I know a big plant closed in Maine recently. And it's closing because you, you can't compete with devaluation. You know, it's all about they're devaluing their currency. And so are others. I talk about China, but remember, I talk about China for a reason. They're the biggest abuser. They're the biggest, and they're the biggest abuser. But every country, virtually, 
Every country that we do business with looks at us as the stupid people. We're the piggy bank that they just keep in. They take our jobs, they take our money, they don't respect us. We have political hacks negotiating the biggest deals in the world. You know, you read about corporate deals, trade deals blow them away. There are no corporate deals that are big like these trade deals. When you talk about a $505 billion trade deficit, there are no corporate deals like that. And yet we have political hacks and people that shouldn't be doing it negotiating. And yet we have, and I've got many of those people endorsing me, Carl Icahn and so many others. We have the greatest business negotiators anywhere in the world. We have them in this country. And they do great. And they don't want anything. They'd love to do it. To them, it's a game of chess, and they do love the country in their own way. You know, it's hard for some of these guys to love anything, and women. It's hard for them to love anything, because that's the way it is. But I have to tell you, we have the greatest negotiators anywhere in the world. Oh, look, the cameras just turned. Oh, look. There must be a protest. Sometimes we had 35,000 people, almost 40,000 people at one, and it sounds like a football game, or it sounds like something. So you hear there's something, but they never show it. They never, you know why? Because they are the most dishonest people that you will ever meet. And then tomorrow, you had a couple of people, and thousands of people that came here at an awkward time of the day, even at an awkward day, you have the places packed and outside they can't get in. And you know what they'll say? Oh, protester, protester. There was a protester. They stood up, they walked out. That was it, right? So it's very dishonest, the press, the media. You know, I'll, I'll tell you how dishonest. Sort of interesting. I went to Scotland this week because I opened a place, right? And we have to support our children, right? So I have a child who's now not a child but they'll always be children to me right all of us and eric who did a great job and he rebuilt turnberry and he rebuilt turnberry and i said you know what i'm gonna fly over to be with him for the opening i'm not gonna play golf i'm not gonna hold the club i'm gonna cut the ribbon and go home
against charges, but you don't want to ruin somebody's life. Because in two years, in three years, in four years, they'll be on our side and they'll say, I wonder why I ever did that. Because you know what? Think of it. Thank you. No, it's true. You don't want to ruin it. They're not actually allowed. You know, we, we rent the arenas and they're not allowed to do that. And, you know, it's really unfair that they do that. But so you arrest them, right? You ruin their life. We don't want to do that, honestly. I haven't done it yet, and I've had some tough ones, a lot tougher than that. But in many cases, in three or four years, they'll be able to say, because if you think about it, what do we want? What do we want? We want military strong. We want strong. So to be clear, there was no disruption from the protesters. That disruption was entirely the Trump supporters. There was no way to even, no one recognized from the press area that anything was happening in the audience until his uh, protesters started yelling over him to yell at the people who were just peacefully being escorted out of the building. And uh, so uh, Trump went on to spend the next seven minutes complaining that on his recent trip to his golf resort in Scotland that he didn't play golf, but that the Clinton campaign and possibly some media outlets, he suggested, used old photos of him with a golf club. He also was upset that he they gave his response to a question about the devaluation of the pound but that they didn't include the fact that that was a response to a question. So he felt like that was out of context. So what do you think? Have you ever noticed that the media doesn't show the crowds at the Trump rallies? Is that a thing? Um, And is it somehow odd that when a speaker is giving a speech that the media is mostly focusing on the speaker instead of spanning the crowds? Um, And also, is this how dissent should be treated in this country? So want to hear your reactions to all of those questions. Get Val King, our guest's uh, responses to those as well. But we do have a, a phone call already. We're opening the phone lines. It's main currents, and the number here into the studio is 469-0500, 469-0500. We have Lindy from Southwest Harbor. Thanks for uh, calling, Lindy. Hi, uh, Amy. Um, thank you, Amy. Thank you, Val, for doing this show. Uh, I have to admit, every time I hear Trump or the page speak, I- <laughs> Such a visceral uh, uh, feeling in my stomach. I'm actually sick to my stomach. <laughs> it repulses me. So, um, but I, I agree with uh, Val when he says it's a witch hunt against uh, Hillary, with the main theme uh, being reiterated over and over and over again that she can't be trusted. Um, my problem with Hillary, I will be voting for Hillary. Um, my problem with Hillary is was her her vote for the Iraq War and also her. Um, uh, alliance with the big banks and also Israel, but I, I truly feel as if um, a no vote for Hillary is a vote for Trump. We can't risk that. And um, well, I, now I Trump was against the Iraq a, War. Excuse me. Now Trump was against the Iraq War. That's one of your criticisms of Hillary Clinton. Uh, that doesn't sway you at all. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Say it again. I couldn't hear you. Trump. Uh, one of his campaign. Um, Things that he promotes is his that he was opposed to the Iraq War, but that's not significant enough to sway you. No, no, not at all. That that man's been waging war on immigrants and Muslims and and the poor. You know, he only 
I think he really respects his money. And um, so I, I just want to enclose, the, uh, enclose, give other people a chance to speak, is that um, the FBI said there will not be an indictment. <clears throat> I think the FBI should be investigated for not having clear-cut regulations for exactly how or, uh, people should be using the, the emails. I mean, all the, uh, Colin Powell, the rest of the gang all, were doing it. And so, and was there one, one uh, LePage, he's just, uh, I, I think LePage and Trump are bringing the rats out of the woodwork and they're getting people set pandemonium and the, 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 the two conventions are going to be horrifying, just horrifying. What a tragedy. Anyway, I'm sick to my stomach. I gotta go throw up. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks so thanks much for, for having Linda. the show. Thank you, Val, for being on. Thank you. Val, do you want to react to any of the clips that we just heard? Um, first of all, I just want to state or actually you you were actually there so that's why you were able to say you know that um the crowd was nothing was attracting its attention to i mean direct the crowd's attention um away from um what was going on right yeah if the protesters were doing anything and all i saw was somebody wearing a hillary clinton t-shirt if they were doing anything it was not at all disruptive. Nobody was aware of it until they were walking out of the building and the uh, Trump supporters started chanting and screaming at them. Um, I was writing down a couple of things as, as um, it would take. So um, I was just thinking about Trump's personality. For whatever reason, um, the, I started thinking about recently because of Trump, P.T. Barnum. And I looked up, and the only thing I was really familiar with P.T. Barnum was um, that he had the Barnum and Bailey Circus, and the other thing was that um, a sucker's born every day. That's a famous quote attributed to him, but maybe not necessarily he started it. But anyway, but I looked him up and found out he was a politician, he was an author, right? Oh, and one of his books that he wrote (laughs) was... um, like Trump's book is called Art of the Deal. P.T. Barnum was The Art of Getting Money. Mm-hmm. That was the name of his book. So I was like, I wonder if Trump <laughs> modeling himself after P.T. Barnum. But I, because I always look to history when I see things going on. So I try to look to history. So to me, his personality, because he was saying stuff to me that, and the crowd reacting to him from what I could audibly. But it really wasn't saying anything of substance. So to me, he's just a personality. And I'm like, how much of that, um, how desperate are we as a people that we need that? Or how also afraid of we? Because he's feeding fear. There's a fear factor. And what's going on in our country that people are so afraid that Trump has the strong possibility of becoming president of the United States. Mm. And another thing I want to put out there, I've been hearing or reading or seeing, and I don't know how true is this, Putin likes the idea of Trump being president. Yes, so what does that mean? And and do the American people, are they concerned with Putin likes the idea of Trump becoming president? So that's what was coming up for me when I was listening to all of that. All right, well, let's play this next clip, and then uh, maybe people, callers will respond and have some thoughts about that. Uh, This next clip is also from the Trump rally in Bangor last week, and I want you all to listen closely to it because there will be a quiz at the end. But I'll tell you something. 
You wouldn't think this. You wouldn't think this. But there is one thing that Bernie Sanders and I are in complete accord with, and that's trade. He said we're being ripped off. I say we're being ripped off. I've been saying it for years. He's been saying it for years. I think I am saying it even louder because I've been really saying I understand how bad it is because I have traveled to more places where we have factories that prior to NAFTA were booming. And Bill Clinton signed NAFTA. Remember that. That was his baby. He signed NAFTA. Nobody else signed it. Bill Clinton signed it, and they drained businesses out of Maine, out of all of New England, out of New York. You have to see New York State. It's like a ghost town. What's happened to New York State because of NAFTA? Pennsylvania, we've lost our jobs. We've lost our manufacturing. I have people, they do statistics for me, and they come up to me, and I'll take a place, and I'm not going to say Maine because the governor's here, and I will not talk badly, although you did lose a plant yesterday, governor, but it wasn't your fault. We need new federal policy. I understand why. I mean, they put you in an impossible position. But it's at a federal level where we make it so easy for countries to come in and steal our companies, to steal our jobs, and to steal our money. We owe 19 trillion, soon going to be 21 trillion dollars. And folks, we've got to get smart. We've got to get tough. We've got to get tough with terrorism. We've got to get tough with jobs. We've got to be so vigilant. We've got to be so careful. We've got to be so strong. I was just reading where the United States Chamber of Commerce is upset with me. And they usually go the Republican way. They're upset with my statements on trade. And I said, let me ask you a question. And I tweeted, why? Why would you be upset? I'm all for free trade. The problem with free trade is you need smart people making deals. We don't have good deals. And free trade is killing us. Somebody asked me the other day, one of the moderators, well, how do you describe your view, Mr. Trump, on trade? And by the way, I know every form of trade. Fair trade, good trade, bad trade, free trade. There's hundreds of names. So I never really thought this way, but now I think it because now I'm doing this. And we are doing so well together. By the way, am I doing a good job? Am I doing a good job? I mean, we started with 17. And all of these people were professionals. And they had 218 years of experience. And when they did this stat, I had 10 months. So they said, Trump has 10 months of experience. They have 218 years of experience. That's like if you add up all their political years together. And here we are. I mean, here we are. And not only that, most importantly, very importantly, in the history of the Republican Party, more than Ronald Reagan, more than Richard Nixon, more than Dwight D. Eisenhower. You know, he did win the Second World War in all fairness. We have more votes, almost 14 million votes, more than anybody in the history of the Republican Party. Think of it. Think of it. And we won 37 states, you know. So you go down the line and you look at what we've accomplished together. And I said to myself, why would the U.S. Chamber of Commerce criticize what I'm saying? Because here's what I'm saying, very simple. I'm all for free trade, it's fine. 
but I want Carl Icahn negotiating for me. I want, I want the greatest business people negotiating my deals, not hacks. Okay. But I'm all for free trade. But here's one, because, you know, the, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is totally controlled by the special interest groups, folks, just so you understand it. And there are special interests that want to have the deals that they want to have. They want to have TPP, Trans-Pacific Partnership, one of the worst deals. It'll be the worst deal since NAFTA. No, it'll be the worst. It'll drain the rest of your businesses out of Maine, believe me. It'll be the worst deal since NAFTA. And I said to myself, and I talked about it, I gave a speech in, in Pittsburgh, in Pennsylvania yesterday, and it was very well received. Of course, then you had the tragedy in Turkey, and that was the end of that speech, which is fine. I mean, that's the way it's supposed to be, because that tragedy is a disgrace that we can allow that to continue to go on, whether it's Turkey or anyone else. That's a disgrace, okay. So I said to myself, why would anybody be against what I'm saying? Because here's what I'm saying. We have to make great deals for a country. And I said to the announcer who asked me this question, to the reporter, well, what's your definition of trade? What do you want? I said, well, I'll tell you what I really want. Very simple. I want to make great deals for our public. I want to make great deals for the United States. Yes, but do you want free trade, fair trade? What's your definition? I said, I want great deals. I don't care if they're free. I don't care if they're fair. I don't care if they're good. I don't care if they're horrendous. I just want great deals. I'll do it all different ways. I'll do it all different ways. I don't care if they're good. I don't care if they're horrendous. Um, and that drew huge applause. So anyway, back to the quiz. The quiz question is, and the number of callers, if you'd like to join us, is 469-0500 here on Main Currents. Again, 469-0500, or you can call toll-free at 1-866-625-9378. <clears throat> In addition to the questions that we kind of put out there earlier, did NAFTA originate with Bill Clinton as a... Uh, Trump just insinuated he said Bill Clinton signed it that's true but where did it start and you can get extra credit if you can explain what it was that Trump just proposed as an alternative mm-hmm. you want to try any of that there Val King <laughs> I know that's not your area of that's not my area of but usually <laughs> I have this thing the thing that annoys me about Democrats is that um, ideas start with Republicans and then and then the ideas start with Republicans, and then they come up with this thing. Well, someone, some needs to, Democrats need to come make a compromise, and generally it turns into, to my interpretation, a capitulation. An idea comes to fruition that Republicans start. That's the case here, yeah. And then the, <clears throat> so uh, we'll see if the next caller has an answer to that. We have one caller uh, getting ready to come on, and we have another phone line open. If you'd like to be next up on deck again, main currents. I'm Amy Brown here with Val King, and the number into the studio is four six nine zero five hundred. Or you can call toll-free at 1-866-625-9378. We've put a lot out there today. If you've been listening since the top of the hour, you can weigh in on any of it. And we have Adam from Washington with us, Washington, Maine. Welcome, Adam. Adam, are you there? I am. Welcome yep. to the program. Terrific show. Um, Thank you. But I think what we, well, as a fairly new resident to Maine, let me just first state, I moved here three years ago with my wife. Um, and despite Governor LePage, we, we moved here anyway. <laughs> and um, and then to see him reelected was really appalling because after arriving over, we were here about 10 minutes, and someone mentioned Cutler's um, angle on the last election. And 
it was so clear to us that that was going to give us another four years of LePage, and that yeah, that's, a, that's a separate question. But I'm just asking Mainers who have allowed this type of government in their state house to reign for six, it will be eight years, I guess. There's no impeachment uh, on the horizon, though. There, God knows there should be. What we're faced with, I think, in the federal election is a question or a choice between fear and hate. And while we can all identify that Trump represents the worst of hate and misogyny and xenophobia and jingoism, etc., as a psychologist licensed in nearby Massachusetts, I have to say that if getting past that point, fear is no better alternative with Hillary, because Hillary has played on fear. She did in 2008 by mentioning Robert F. Kennedy's assassination um, in, in lieu of, of a Barack Obama candidacy, and she very quickly allowed Japanese seafood imports to continue post-triple meltdown in Fukushima, which is still ongoing to this day with no amelioration, solution, or Marshall Plan, which uh, ought to be launched by the international community. Am I gone? Am I no, there? no, no, you're here. We're Am just still listening. There? You're yes, still here. I'm here. I love New England. My first home was in Milton, Massachusetts, and uh, that was over 20 years ago. And I'm a bi-coastal guy from California, but I choose to live in New England and, and identify with sort of the spirit of the best of America, because this is where it started, my friends. And we have a special responsibility that we've neglected. And so I just simply say the natural choice is to go with the original Bernie Sanders, which is Jill Stein of the Green Party. God bless her. Um, she has elucidated and been incredibly articulate over numbers of years. We all are familiar with her in New England and, uh, and beyond. Um, so I think the natural heir apparent of the Sanders campaign, should he not be the nominee, although, by God, I hope he puts it up for a vote on the convention floor, because it is just legitimate, and with the new revelations from the FBI report, incredibly timed after the attorney general meeting with Bill Clinton on the tarmac. He wasn't getting a haircut this time, though, uh, but still very odd, very odd indeed. Uh, so I think there's a legitimate justification for a Bernie Sanders convention for fight and, and you know, vote on who should be the Democratic Party's nominee legitimately based on new revelations, which had they come out earlier, we can only speculate what might have been in certain key battleground states. Anyway, thank you very much. Terrific show. I'm glad I found you guys. Valentine Michael Smith. Hi, Michael. <laughs> I know, but I'm a, a, a fan of Robert Einland, Stranger in a Strange Land. And my friends, we're all kind of in a new century, a new earth, a new political landscape. And we have responsibility. Thank you, know, you for to, your... to research. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for your call. And we have another caller waiting, and the phone line has just opened up. If you'd like to be next up on deck, the number's 469-0500. And go ahead, caller. If you have your radio on, you need to turn it down because we're getting a little bit I of don't. feedback. I, I don't. Are you there? Okay, what's your first name? Where are you calling from? Oh, it's Frank. Hey, Frank. 
I, well, I probably shouldn't say this on the air. Well, if it's a swear word, don't. <laughs> no, it's a, okay. it was, I was I was at the Donald Trump thing too, uh, which I shouldn't I, I shouldn't probably tell people that. Uh, but it was raining a lousy day, and I guess I was bored. I went up there to actually protest. I didn't see anybody out front, so I just went inside, which was better to be in there. And just was a fly on the you know sat amongst a lots of young, cheap suited Walmart young guys and girls with little heels on. All with the young Republican volunteer Trump things on. I didn't say a word to anybody, which is unusual for me. But uh, I did see a few people get, you know, all of a sudden they start yelling Trump, Trump, and I don't know what they did either. Protest. Did, okay, you didn't see anything before the people started yelling either? I didn't see anything. Okay. But what I get a kick out of is there was a brother, there's several brothers out front, uh, you know, Val's cousins, selling. <laughs> Hillary and Trump t-shirts. I loved it. They were very entrepreneurial. I mean, right in the open, they had tables. Did you see them? Yeah. Set up outside. Because <laughs> I left when Donald was talking after about 15 minutes. I just wanted something to do. Uh, you know. And I went up there. And I, when I came out, I took, there was a riot. They had both Trump and Clinton t-shirts that were hawking. Yeah, you the know, same they, tables. Yeah, they followed. Exactly. Same guys. They were, you know, brothers from Party of the Bronx, they're making a living following him around, hawking T-shirts. I just got a kick out of it myself. <laughs> but the crowd there, it was, you know, there was a big crowd of people, but it was just, well, you know, I think, anyway, but it was, it was different. I just wanted to go through the people's minds who were there, is expounding on, I mean, if he could pay him 10 cents an hour or then $10 an hour, he would. I mean, I don't understand this, this following, what they, you know what they think i just don't get it whatsoever but anyway thanks for the show as usual thanks for calling in frank appreciate it and uh before we go to our next caller since no one's answered it yet and before we end up forgetting i want to just answer my quiz question about whether or not uh bill clinton was the originator of NAFTA, and I suspect a lot of listeners out there know that he wasn't. Um, actually, NAFTA was originated by uh, George H.W. Bush, and CAFTA, um, it, you know, later it was ratified under the Clinton presidency, but it was negotiated by George H.W. Bush. It was conceived of even earlier, and in its original conceptions was supported by Reagan. And CAFTA, the Central American Free Trade Agreement, in 2004 further expanded it and that was completely supported and promoted by George W. Bush. So um, just a little bit of background that you wouldn't have received from that clip there of uh, um, Donald Trump blaming NAFTA on the last Democrat. So we have another caller on the line. I believe this is, oh, is that, uh, if your radio is on, MJ, turn it down. That's, I believe we have MJ in Belfast joining us now, and we have time for a few more calls after MJ if you'd like to join us, 469-0500, 469-0500, or 1-866-625-9378. It's Maine Currents. I'm Amy Brown, and my guest today is Valentine King. Go ahead, MJ. Hi, um, Amy. I'm calling. I wanted to say that I'm with him, the fellow that was two calls ago from Massachusetts who's the the therapist. Um, Jill Stein will be the person I'm voting for if Bernie's not, um, if it's not possible to vote for Bernie. Um, she has integrity. I will never vote for Hillary. I think that she is even more evil than Donald Trump. And believe me, I despise Donald Trump. But at least we know where he stands on things. 
which is nowhere on some things because he doesn't explain. Um, Hillary Clinton and the DNC have rigged the system uh, and stolen this election, although it's been stolen from us for years, but we really know it now. I want to say that she has um, a defense lobbyist on her uh, DNC platform and that that lobby, if anybody that's voting for Hillary out there, you love Hillary, here are what she will not. They have voted to reject these different amendments in the um, Democratic uh, platform. But they're not going for the $15 minimum wage. Fracking will be there. Eminent domain and fracking will be there. She, uh, the TPP will exist for private prisons. Um, and she's also for the death penalty. She is not against the death penalty. There are huge differences between uh, her and Bernie Sanders and Jill Stein. Jill Stein has integrity. I'll be voting for Jill Stein. And I want to say to the woman who called earlier that said, like, you know, Petraeus and uh, what's his name, whatever, Colin Powell, they, you know, their private server. They didn't use a private, they didn't, they didn't have a private server in their basement. They used their own email. There's a huge difference. You can read about it. And if she deleted 30,000 emails, all of us who delete emails know how difficult and time-consuming and boring it is to delete 20, <laughs> never mind 30,000. And they found ones that should not have been there. She's lied and lied and lied. I will never vote for her. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Thank you, MJ. Thanks for your call. We have time for one more quick phone call, and then we're going to be wrapping it up. This is David from Brooklyn. Welcome to the program, David. Hi, thanks for the chance. Uh, uh, I've heard a lot of... Uh, uh, bias all over the place. I, uh, I think what it comes down to is do we want to be uh, uh, orchestrated by a, a psychopath or by a sociopath? And for me, uh, the choice is pretty clear. Uh, uh, neither one of them is attractive, of course, but uh, I, would, uh, I would sooner have to deal with a psychopath than a sociopath. And which and, are you saying is um, which? Pardon me? Are you saying that uh, Hillary Clinton is a sociopath and Donald Trump yeah. is a psychopath? Yeah. Uh, I think she's a very, very dangerous person because she looks so good and she knows how to look so good. And she knows how to, you know, like talk to talk that, that we, uh, uh, you know, on the, on the left are used to hearing. Uh, but we have to be so we have to be so careful to listen to why people are supporting Donald and to not knock it, and to try to see w what's going on here with our country that we all love. You know, it's not that those people are a bunch of, like, hoodlum thems, you know, that, 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 that make us wretch. That we, can't, we can't go into the future with that kind of, allowing that kind of polar, polarization to exist in our minds, because it's, it's, it's poisonous. And the reason why there's so many people voting for Trump is I think a lot because so many of the people that are trying to talk them out of it are so, and I won't swear, are so opinionated about what is the right way. And how can anybody think it could be anything else? And don't you get it? And how stupid are you? And, you know, this kind of, this kind of like, you know, like, uh, 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 we've got two minutes left to the show, David, so you need to wrap up your thought there, please. Okay, well, you can guess where I'm going. I, I grew up I grew up in a high school that was very anti-intellectual, and I know what it's all about. Uh, and uh, it's it's not pleasant for a society of anti-intellectuals to run things, but you don't get anywhere by throwing your intellect at them, you know, as a as a as a re, as a reproof. 
you got to work with them. That's the only way. Okay, David, we're out of time. Thank you for calling. But if you get a chance, if uh, you have more to say, next week we will be doing another of our series of uh, multi-partisan roundtables with folks here in the studio and taking calls. So if you didn't get through or if you had more that you'd like to say, be sure to join us again next week on Main Currents. There's also video from the Trump rally and as well as a bunch of other things on the WERU Facebook page. If you'd like to see the uh, almost in its entirety, the Wi-Fi dropped out a few times, so it's posted in four different clips. You can go to w, uh, facebook.com slash WERUFM. So, and I'll post some links along with today's program when it's archived on Friday as well. Um, I want to get a last thought from you, Val, like 30 seconds before we wrap up. I kind of think I know why people are voting for Trump. You know what I mean? I understand their fear. I understand their concern. The thing, the question that I want to put out there is how we as a people are in this situation that we have Hillary and Trump. Mm -hmm. That's the question that I'm asking. And do facts on the ground ever matter? Because people seem to disregard facts a lot. It's a lot of emotional base in this mm-hmm. this election, for sure. Thanks again for coming in and joining us today, Val Thank King. Thank you. Hope we'll uh, do this Amy. again sometime soon. It's always <laughs> great to have you here. You've been listening to Maine Currents on WERU-FM. I'm Amy Brown. My guest today was Valentine King. John Greenman engineered today's program. Join us again next week. As I said, our, our multipartisan crew that we've been having in regularly since March will be joining us again with everyone from a libertarian-leaning Republican to a Trump supporter to a Green Party supporter. And usually we have both a Bernie Sanders supporter and a Hillary Clinton supporter. I think that'll be the case next Wednesday as well at 4 o'clock, and we'll be taking your phone calls. Uh, let's see. Stay tuned for Democracy Now! It's coming up next. And then jazz straight ahead with Larry Stahlberg, who's here getting ready for you here on your community radio station, WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill. Usually 99.9 in Bangor. We're off the air right now. We're having some repairs done. We'll be back soon, but you can still catch us at also at WERU.org. Thanks for listening and catch Main Currents, independent local news, views, and culture here on WERU every Wednesday afternoon at 4. And a quick announcement about uh, our WERU listener survey. If you haven't heard about this, pay attention. This is interesting. WERU.org. Just go there on the website and uh, you can find our WERU listener survey. We're very, very interested in hearing what tickles your fancy in terms of the programming, in terms of your community. What's important? What should be covered? What should be listened to? What kind of music do you like? It's a pretty wide-ranging survey and we'd love to hear your thoughts on what tickles your fancy and how we can serve you better. Please do go to WERU.org and take our WERU listener survey. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Waterfront Concerts, presenting Daryl Hall and John Oates, with guests Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, as well as Trombone Shorty and Orleans Avenue at the Darlings Waterfront Pavilion in Bangor on Thursday, July 14th. Waterfrontconcerts.com or 800-745-3000. This is WERU General Manager Matt Murphy urging all listeners to take our online audience survey. Listener feedback is extremely important to community radio and we welcome yours. Now through Friday, July 15th, we ask that you take a few minutes to complete the survey at WERU.org. 